Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, it's good to be with you again. Um, I jokingly made some comments before the um, we went live that I was going to be teaching on witches and warlocks, and uh, there will be some of that in this, but it's not the main part of the message. Um, and actually, <clears throat> I'm going to try to take, it's going to be a three-in-one. And I say three-in-one because over the last couple of weeks, there's been three really specific dreams that have come, and um, each one of them um, is a teaching in itself, but the theme of it, one dream ended and it picked up, and there's some, some, um, some similarities in all three of them. And but the the one the the last one, which was the third dream, is really the one that I know that I'm supposed to spend a lot of time on uh, this morning with you. And I'm just trying to pull up one of the main passages here. And one thing that I did on this was I I, I felt like I wanted to sh I wanted to write out the dream and 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 share it with you. Now there's there's some things that I could have expanded a little bit more on so and I'll do that during the teaching but I didn't want to bore you with paragraphs and paragraphs of um of the actual dream itself but the first dream came I think it was April the 15th somewhere in that range um and what's what's interesting is um goodies on the back row goodies on the back row um And I'm trying there the different sequences of the, the way things happen we 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 don't see the uh the overall um view initially of what the Lord might be sharing, but over time you can kind of look at something and and see what he's trying to really say to you you know it's it's like this the first dream that I had was like i it, it had a lot of meaning to it, but then as the second dream came. It was like I knew why the first one came, and then the second one followed by the third one. And um, so I'm going to give you there were there were there were phrases that I heard during the dream that are like the titles. So dream number one was this, and I just I just jotted them down here on the paper. You you don't have that there, but. It was a very short dream, but yet very profound. And I was, I was in a prison, okay, and I was wearing an orange suit, just like the prisoners normally wear. It's different colors at different places. And I was in a line with other prisoners preparing for my release. And in the midst of that, I mean, there's some other things that happened, but the gist of it is that, and in the midst of it, in the dream, I kept hearing, setting the captives free. Made perfect sense, right? So all through that day, I worked and did my normal routine. And then in that in the evening, I had some time, and I just started pulling up scriptures on setting the captives free. And there's a full teaching that I thought, well, I'll teach on that. And then it just it didn't materialize, but, it, but it's there. The second dream... Now, this one here, I, I will say, was very alarming because I saw saints in it. And I saw family members, people that I was close to. Um, the second dream was, and I, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I have a hard time with these alarming. It, it's a dream of warning, obviously, but... You don't get to dictate what you see. <laughs> and this was one of those dreams where I, I was I was in a setting and it was, I, it was a, it, I, I knew my spirit was between heaven and earth and I was looking down. It was an aerial shot. And, it, and, and I saw different and I knew it was, it was in this vast structure of some sort. And I was being taken from one room to another and I was seeing abominable acts taking place much like Ezekiel saw 
And like I said, I saw some of our people. I saw some people in this house engaged in practices that were inappropriate. And I'm just going to tell you like I saw it. Now, I don't think the people are engaged in it, but I think that this is a warning that these influences are going to be trying to cause us, and I say us because it speaks to all of us, but I saw specific people. I saw their faces. I saw what they were doing, and I'm like, how can this be? Yeah, that was the first thing. How can this be? And the Lord quickly just kind of quickened to me. It's, he said, it's, it's not that they're engaged in it, but these influences are going to come around to try to get us to give our passions over to inappropriate practices. And so he took me in to Ezekiel, and this, this is the second dream, and I'm just going to briefly touch on it. And Ezekiel was, I know how Ezekiel feels in some ways. Some of the things he encountered were way beyond the norm, <laughs> to say the least. I mean, I don't have enough hair to grab me by the lot and take me between heaven and earth. Uh, but evidently, he had some longer hair, right, in order to be able to do that. You know, that in and of itself just irritates religious people. A man with long hair, how can that? We're not going to go there. It's funny how how we hang on to things that are not necessarily biblical. But here he is in this encounter. And what's, what's really bizarre about it is, is the context before he's lifted up between heaven and earth. It says he's sitting in his house, and he's got the elders of Israel, elders of Judah around him. <laughs> and then this happens. He's not all by himself in the sanctuary praying and nobody else is around and whoop, he's woofed. No, he, he's there among a, the ancient ones, the, the, the supposed to be the mature ones of Judah, and then the hand of the Lord God carries him up into this and he sees the likeness of, we, we know, the fire, the color, amber, and he sees a visitation of the Lord in the, in, in, initially. And then he, as, as he continues to talk about the, the, the being taken up by the lock of his hair, and then he starts talking about seeing visions of Elohim, visions and, the, and he's of the heart of God. So the heart of God is always looking to see where people are engaging their passions and what their, their practices and what they're engaging in. Us. He's looking. And, it, and so it says visions of Elohim. Visions of Elohim towards Jerusalem, his chosen people, the chosen land that he, and, and I'm not going to go through all the rest of it, but, but, but say this, his journeys in the spirit at that moment were he saw the seat of jealousy, he saw um, a group of 70 individuals that were engaging in practices that were he was asked to dig through a wall in the spirit dig through to get to something and then he saw a door um now i wasn't asked to dig but i i knew that i was i came through a doorway and into all these other other rooms and as i saw these different things going on even even in the in the dream man my heart was just so saddened I, it, that's that's all I could describe. It was how could how could this happen? How can we how could individuals engage in this? Why? And then I saw uh, I saw influences that were, um, and I'm not going to say names. I'm not. I don't think that's the the, the main point of it. But it, it was enough. It was grotesque, much like he saw creeping. He described it as creeping things, abominable beasts idols portrayed on the walls round about and and then he goes and he says not only that but i go through the door the gate of yahweh's house and i'm looking toward the north and i see women weeping after a a phoenician uh female god um Tamos, that and and then you've got and he's talking about you're going to see greater abominations and i'm thinking lord i i can't my i can't handle this i, I really at one point i thought i don't want to see this anymore but you can't take yourself out of that so what do you do with it? Well, number one, I just kind of 
thought about it and prayed about it and and, and, and prayed in the spirit for for us I say us because nobody in this room is exempt we all are are targeted by the enemy the enemy most most of the people around in the church he doesn't care about them you hear what I'm they're no threat to his kingdom we we ought to know at this point by virtue of where we are in the Lord and the understanding and the revelation and the knowledge and the relationship we have, we have great authority in him. And the enemy knows that. He does. I don't care what the what what assembly of God, doctor, or whoever, the enemy does know that. He can see things. He has limitations on his visual capabilities. Uh, but he can still see. He can still hear. And, boy, he, he, he's, t- he's targeting specific people. Now, I will say, how, how can I say this? When I say it, it's gonna, I think it might trigger some alarms. And I'm, I'm very cautious to even do this. I'm not going to say it. We just really need to guard our heart, every single one of us. And if we feel influences trying to pull us away from the things we know that we need to be doing, we better run and we better avoid it at all cost. Because what I saw was not what I'm used to seeing in some of our people. And I'm not trying to instill fear. I'm just telling you exactly. Without being specific, I'm just saying I was very, very alarmed by the individuals, the specific ones that I saw in this. And I thought, how can that be? I saw, I saw men, I saw women, and I saw some of my, my, my own biological family members engaged in stuff. Yes, that's, that's heart-wrenching to see that. And so that was dream number two. The third dream was the one that we have in front of us here that I feel is so important. And, and I want to read this dream. And again, there's, there's other things that were in it, but I, I left some things out. It, I saw myself, and myself, I represent, I, I represent the evangelistic arm of this, this church, this network, or whatever, however you want to. So it's not about me. It's about uh, who we represent in the Lord and our calling. So... I knew that based on what I, the, the message that was coming out of my spirit, I was, I was proclaiming, I was in, like, I don't know if it was a church or whatever. It was, I was speaking over a group of people, and I kept hearing the, the, the word live, 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 repeatedly coming out of my spirit to these people. Now, that one word alone... <laughs> is something that groups of people, our country and the world, needs to hear. In the midst of all of this destruction, in the midst of all this chaos, in the midst of all, all that the enemy's trying to do in our world and in churches all across the country, people need to hear the words of life that our Father has given to all of us to speak forth at any given moment. And as I was speaking life over this group of people, I could see that they were dynamically impacted and manifesting physically in a lot of unique ways by hearing the message of life that was being proclaimed over them. And man, it was it was I can't put it into words what I what I all that I saw and I I tried to do my best here. But that doesn't do it near enough justice. And as that's, as this is happening and it starts to c- conclude. I see. I see myself representing the good news of the kingdom being at that moment released over a people, walking away. And as, as I'm walking away, I see another group of people coming in from behind me, and one was coming up on a platform. And that kind of gave me an idea that it might be a church. I don't know, but it was a platform, and they're pronouncing another message. Now, I didn't say a demonic message. I, it was just another message. And I remember as I'm walking away, I'm glancing back over my left shoulder, looking back, and I was discouraged. 
I was disheartened, had a disheartened feeling on the inside in my spirit at that moment because of the other message or the other thing that kept coming to mind was an other agenda being released over the same group of and then the dream ends and so as I woke up from that dream I remembered the passage in Ezekiel 37 about the valley of dry bones spoken of in the book of Ezekiel and for some reason a lot of these 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 dreams and stuff that have been coming come in here lately the last three are very, very centered from the book of Ezekiel and some in Isaiah too. But And I understood as I meditated on this dream throughout the day from this scripture that we are called to de deliver the message to people even though there's going to be other messages and agendas by those around us. Like Ezekiel, we must prophesy as the Spirit directs us in all kinds of scenarios. Jesus was led by the Spirit in scenarios where he taught, but others had other agendas too. He taught and healed on the Sabbath, and many rejoiced, but others were filled with madness and accusing him of speaking blasphemies. It doesn't matter if there's other agendas. If God, if God directs us and he calls us with a an evangelistic message to announce the good news of what he's saying right now at the right hand, whatever that message might be, that's our job. We release it, we obey, and we walk away. That's it. But the human side to us, which is what I saw myself, I was discouraged. I was. The humanness within me was discouraged, and I'm thinking, how dare you come in with another message I mean, he's speaking life and living and reviving over these people, and, and you want to come up here with another message? And so that started me on this journey that night after I worked all day to come into this, this passage here. And as I was studying, I remembered another teaching that, and it was another dream because I pulled up the teaching many, many months ago about teaching in un unpleasant environments. And I pulled that up, and I thought, wow, this is connected here. And so I started looking at, back at that teaching, and I pulled some of those different scenarios into this where Jesus is sent as the messenger with the message. He delivers it, and then people are wanting to kill him. People are accusing him of speaking blasphemies. And he's like, what is, he didn't say this, I'm saying, what is wrong with you people? I just healed this person. This man had a withered hand. I healed him on the Sabbath day, and you're just so um, enraged that I did it on a day that you think nobody should be working, even though you go, and if you, you have your ox that needs to get some water, you take it. You're working, but you, you don't see it that way. And so I pulled in different things from that. So let's, let's look at this, <coughs> this whole scenario. With now, I, I've been reading a lot from Ezekiel. I've been reading a lot from Daniel. I struggled because I thought I was going to be sharing some things from Daniel about the different beasts that he encountered. And, but, and I've been, been in Ezekiel, Daniel, and Revelation for months. And it's been, it's been very, very enlightening and frightening all at the same time. But we don't, we don't, have, we don't need to fear. We really don't. But in Ezekiel 37, and we know this, we had a seminar devoted to it. But maybe there's going to be some things in here that come alive at this time frame that'll give a different kind of a, a flavor to it. And so it starts off by saying, the hand of Yahweh was upon me. Now, in other instances, Ezekiel refers to the hand of the Lord God being upon him. A little bit different with Adonai uh, Jehovah. In this case, it's the hand of Yahweh. I just think that's, 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 that's so why the difference? I'm not going to go there, but it is definitely there. And he carried me out in the Ruach of Yahweh, and he nuoked me. Now, this was a Ruach and a nuoch. How about that? It wasn't one of those things where it just, he, he, it, this, this nuoch is the settling down of the, the, the Spirit of the Lord that just stays with you for a while. It didn't just come and, and then go, it's gone like the wisp of the wind. And, and he sets him down in the midst of a valley that's full of bones. Now, man, 
you start talking about bones here and everybody, you know, oh, it's death, you know, this is the enemy. Well, you talk, take this up with Ezekiel. I don't think Ezekiel, I, Ezekiel did not do this. He didn't cause this. It just was part of the plan of God for him as a watchman, prophet, and seer. God, this was part of his plan. And that's what I'm saying. I, I didn't want to go in, in, in one of these dreams here and, and see all this stuff all over the and different. I didn't want to see that. I'm sure Ezekiel, if he if he were if he if he was standing here, he'd probably say the same thing. You know what, guys? I didn't I didn't want to see all this. I didn't want to be dropped down in the midst of some bones. Some people think I'm crazy already. They think I'm a um, some kind of bizarre prophet anyway. But it just goes to show you the prophetic nature of God. We we can't truly understand everything prophetically about the the, the perfect prophetic nature of God because. If you look at every single prophet, that is the, the prophetic nature of the Lord coming through them. And it's so diverse. And it should be. So here he is, and he says, And he calls me to pass round about them. <laughs> and behold, there were many of these in an open valley. Not a few, but there were a lot of them. And lo, they were very dry. Not just dry, but very, very dry. They'd withered up. They were at a point there was no life at all in bones. Now, we could do a bone study where, you know, we know that Elisha, his bones, that somebody fell in there and it came back to life. Okay, that's a whole nother. I'm not even going to go anywhere near that. But um, the idea of this, this whole encounter is just so bizarre. And, and he says unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? Man, what a question. <laughs> I, I, I know we have, we have the passage here, but imagine you in this scenario. Rick, I know it's kind of hard for me and you both because we don't have much hair being pulled up, you know. And, but, and here you are, and he's asking you questions like this. First of all, you're, you're, you're trying to deal with uh, being being carried away in the spirit and, and the presence of the Lord and, and his new ark is just settling down upon you. You see nothing but dead bones and he's carrying you around to see all of them and there's, there's, a, there's a whole lot of them around. So you're trying to deal with that and then he starts questioning you. Hey, can these bones live? And I'm thinking, what do you mean can these bones live? I, don't, I have no idea. I didn't know bones could live actually, but I mean he's asking the question. And Ezekiel, he responds appropriately. He says, I answered, Oh, Adonai, Jehovah, you know. <laughs> so when you don't know, that's our response right there. If he asks, if you know, an angel or God asks you a question, just say, Lord, Adonai, Jehovah, you know. I don't. <laughs> and and, and he, then he says, after Ezekiel follows it up, he says, okay, prophesy upon these bones. Now it's gotten a whole lot worse. It's going to a whole new level now. So he's asking him to partner. Remember, the hand of Yahweh starts this off, right? The open hand, that hand of partnership in the purpose of the Lord, right? That, extent, that starts it all here. That's another interesting facet. We don't know. <laughs> we can say right now at this point, oh, yeah, I want to partner with the hand, right? But tonight when we go to sleep, and you start being taken to all these different rooms in the spirit. You see all this grotesque stuff. Oh, Lord. I, I, yeah, it was fine. But now that this is happening, do you still want to go there? So it, it, I know I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going all over the map here. But you guys, we're strange. He's strange. And it's okay. It's, it really is okay. The church does not know these things. We didn't know them for so many years. We... we we, we know what Ezekiel feels like in these, in these situations because God's opened it up to us in our day the same type of way. And so he says, I want you to use your prophetic voice that I've put within you and speak to these bones. And, I, and I'm going to tell you what to say to the bones. I'm not going to leave you stranded and go, well, figure it out on your own. Just say whatever you want, right? Just name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, shake it, bake it, whatever. No, he didn't do that. Trish is laughing there. I'm just... I was on a roll there. I thought that kind of went went well. But that's what some people do. They, you cannot just name it and claim it. 
if he's not saying it from the right hand, it ain't happening. You can quote Scripture all day long, and it will not happen. Am I, am I denigrating the... We're going to see this, how Ezekiel... And we can learn a lot from this one incredible prophet. How he maneuvered, how he spoke, what he did, what he didn't do, what he said, what he didn't say. Because he did not release any word from the Lord unless he was given that word. So, <laughs> speak to bones. Lord, have you lost that? I'm thinking, man, have you lost your mind? I mean, you might feel like we've all felt like we've lost our mind. Sometimes being carried up into, into heaven and gone to all these different heavenly places and thought, man, what is going on here? feel like you've lost your mind, but you, you know you haven't. Well, you have. We have lost our mind. We've gained his mind. And, and that's, that's where we need to be. But prophesy to these bones and say unto them, O you dry bones, hear Shema. What are, what are, they, what are they being told to hear? The word of Ron, the word of Mark, the word of Tammy, the word of Tricia, the word of... No, no, no. The word of Yahweh. The word of the eternal plan of God. That's what he was prophesying to the bones, which represents the structure of the body. Hear. Be that one that can hear my voice and then follow it through in absolute obedience. Wow, that's... That's very profound. Oh, that everybody would have an ear to hear what the Spirit, what the breath of God is saying to his churches. Because what most people say he's saying, that's not what we're hearing from the right hand. <laughs> it's not. It's more or less the, the, the messages that tickle the ears of the hearers. And I mean, the, these, these types of words right here and messages... They're not tickling ears at all. I mean, God, I know we're looking at the God of the Old Testament, but the principles here is God is always wanting to challenge his people. He's, he's wanting to grow up his people. He does not want babies. He, he, once you're in the family, you start off as an infant, but he wants us to grow into maturity where we can learn to be, learn to be led by his breath learn it. it it's a process and we as he leads us like these dreams were leading me these are not my dreams these are his dreams and he's leading me and therefore there's a there's a point of, of sonship that I'm, I'm moving in with him and you too so we need to learn to follow his leadings and when he's leading man to capture the moment I didn't have time to capture the moment where I could study three hours during the day because I had other duties. God knows that. He still kept enough of the, the nuoc that settled in upon me through the day to keep me thinking about it. And then as I had the opportunity, then I was able to insert myself, and then he opens it up even further. Man, learning, learning to be led by his breath is, it's not easy sometimes, but he helps us. And so as we keep reading the word of the Lord, verse 5, Thus saith Adonai Jehovah unto these, unto these bones. Look at that. The names of God that he's addressing to the structure, Adonai, right? God of placement, where he places us, right? <laughs> that's, that's significant there. Behold, I will cause, I will cause my Ruach to enter into you, and you will live. There's the message that I saw in that dream being repeatedly. The good news, the, the euangelion was live, live. The enemy's saying death, death, destruction, misery, chaos. God's saying, no, 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 that's not my message of the hour. My message is for my people to rise up and live, live. The spirit of life, right? We're going to touch on that in a moment, hopefully. In verse 6, and I will lay sinews, sinews, the tendons upon you, and I will bring flesh upon you, and I'll cover you with skin, and then I'm going to put my ruach in you, and you will live. Second time he said the word for live there, and you will know that I am Yahweh. Now, verse 7 is, so this whole encounter kind of stops at this point. That's a lot. So at this point, 
the man of God, Ezekiel, has a responsibility. What is he going to do? Is he going to crater? Is he just going to go all AWOL and go, man, I'm, I'm nuts here. I've lost it. And just he had a responsibility. And he says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. So very important. We all know we've all been in the church for many, many years. And we all know that the name of God is a lot of times used just it's used in a flippant manner a lot of times by people. People want to use God's name to get whatever they want, when they want it, and how they want it. It, was, it, it, really, it really grieves him when people try to do that. When, when they try to name it and claim it. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm gonna, I claim it right now. I'm going to have a million dollars in my bank account tomorrow. Guess what? The people that proclaim that didn't have a million in their bank account the next day. They just didn't tell you. You can't do that. If God tells you that, that's one thing. It will manifest and it will happen. But people just flippantly going, well, God told me this. God told me that. Well, <laughs> he may tell you some things, but if, if it's not in total alignment with the Scripture, God didn't tell you that. You told yourself that. And there's many Scriptures that speak of people having their own dreams and going after their own pursuits and them doing this and them doing that but ezekiel it says i prophesied as he commanded me to and me we need to just as a reminder it's so important that we when he gives us a word and i'm just speaking one word let live live that's it let's speak that nothing more nothing less and watch watch those words manifest And, 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 and as I prophesied, there was a noise and a shaking, ra'ash, and bones came together, bone to his bone. Now, remember the dream, right? People were impacted. Here it is, right here in the Scripture. Ezekiel was told, do this. Speak this to the bones. Speak this to the structure. And, and the, these dynamic manifestations begin to occur. Things came together, bone on, on, on bone. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me how God can share a dream like that in a practical sense and go, here it is in the Scripture. Here it is. And when I beheld Ra'ah, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no Ruach in them. At this point, it's a structure with the body with no ruach. That's pretty impressive, though. <laughs> Bringing you into the valley, number one, seeing all these bones, going around and looking at everything that's there, the, the, the dryness of them, and everything else to speak to bones, and then to watch all of this come together at this point. And, but God said, there's something that's missing. There is a lot missing in the body of Christ in our day. The structure needs his breath, fresh breath being blown into it. We have that fresh breath in us. And when we speak, live. When we speak diversities of tongues, whatever that message is, his attendant breath goes with us and impacts people, a noise, a shaking, and then things coming together like he intends it to be. That is so incredible here. It should be encouraging to all of us. I mean, I, I think we know, but man, there's something that, that this dream did. I, it's, you, you know that feeling. It's one thing to read it, but it's another thing to be taken into it and become it and then live it and then watch God begin to do incredible things with, with the message that he puts within you and the impact it can make. And so with as we as we move forward, I want you to be thinking how you can speak life over everything around you. His river, his river is a river of life according to Ezekiel 47. Every place where that river goes, everything lives. <laughs> Same Hebrew word. 
We have in our belly rivers of living water. Release the water within you. The water of life that comes from that river and from heaven. All this is connected. Next time you say live or life, believe it. Believe it. I mean, there's there's also the other side of that 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 coin too, where he saw something that was should have been producing, and he cursed it. Right. So I'm not saying we curse. Now, unless he says to do so. There's that measure too. We. But we're we're talking about life. Now, it transitions from prophesying to the bones, and then in verse nine. He says, I want you to prophesy to the Ruach, the wind. In verse 9, it says, Then he said unto me, very important, so important, Prophesy unto the Ruach, prophesy, son of man, and say to the Ruach, Thus saith Adonai Jehovah, Come from the four winds, O Ruach, and Ruach upon thee slain. Now, this is not a four winds teaching. I've been doing that, too, in Daniel and Revelation. I'm not going to go there. I don't have direction. I am not, and I, I'm living what I'm telling you. I can't speak to that. I really can't. I just know it's, it's the Ruach of God that's doing this. That's the main thing I know, and you should, too. I do believe there are some connectives, but I'm not going to go there. So he, what is his objective with the Ruach here? He, recognize, he recognizes that this body and this structure, he says it's slain, but he wants it to what? Live. He's all about life and giving us life more abundantly. So it's the abundant life. It's so, so contrasted to what the, what the enemy's trying to release into our world these days. I mean, every time you turn on the media or, or even... You don't have to turn on the TV to hear this. Just listen to people around you as you walk, as you go in the grocery store. Man, you got some people that are speaking words of life. You've got others that are speaking death. And, and you got it's all over the map. But the, the, the greatest governmental structure that we have in place, the enemy is targeting our federal, I'm just saying, our federal government. It's the highest government we have in our country, right? And he's trying his very best to infiltrate because he knows if he can get, the, get that structure and, 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 and get in, he can infiltrate our entire country and affect other countries as well. He's not toothless, and he is not an idiot. He has a demonic agenda. He has a demonic message. And he strategizes ways to infiltrate the world with his message just like the lord does it's just in a demonic sense how how can he how can he influence other people in this world without actually influencing them individually well governmentally i mean once you once you have you you guys know where i'm going with this I, that's all i'll say we, we we need to continue to pray i'm not saying we can change prophetic events i'm not but I'm saying we need to pray, and wherever we go, wherever we go, surely goodness, mercy, life, all those things should follow us wherever we go. At work, and this is a challenge sometimes, people at work can be some of the most negative people around. When I, when I encounter negativity, it tries to get all over me, but then I try to go, you know what, speak something uh, that's life-giving in return. That's how we fight that stuff. We speak and we declare the eulogia, right? The good word. So he says, prophesy to the wind. And, and, and look at verse, verse 10. So I prophesied as I was commanded. There it is again. And the Ruach came into them. They lived. So it's not just about life now. Look what happens next. They stood upon their feet, and then they became this exceeding great army. It's not just important for us to, to come alive. Oh, I'm alive. No, no, no. It's time to stand. It's time to get in that place of hysteme 
and stand in that gap and fulfill what God has destined for all of us. And that's our message to people. God wants to give you life. He doesn't want you being just encumbered by, by death and destruction. He's going to give you life, but then he's going, to, he's going to raise you up to stand on your own feet, and then he wants you to be an army, a great exceeding army. And so the church, you know, is all about, we're, we're called, the church is called to be an army. I think he's kind of revisiting this to just kind of remind me at least, you know, maybe you, you think we're an army, but, you know, you look around you and you walk into churches. Are they really an army? I mean, really? I mean, you go into the Methodist church and walk in. Are they, are they, is there any warfare going on? Or is there, is there, um, and it doesn't have to be just warfare, I mean, but, you know, a lot of times that, that's, that's what an army does. You you're working out, man. You're you're getting ready for 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 battle. You're get if you're not in warfare, you're preparing for it, <laughs> for battle, right? You go into the army. They have the, some of the most intense workouts on the planet, and you're you're either going to make it or you're going to give up and quit. And so God's all about raising up an army. He he and he's I really believe he's speaking to the structure again, and saying, okay, I'm 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 putting. I'm putting things in motion, but you cannot do this without my breath. And he and he's asking us again to go speak to my wind. And and as we do that, how, how do you, how do you do that? I mean, pastors taught a lot on that, but I just know this: in that dream, the evangelistic message was live. The evangelistic message might be from a music standpoint. You need to move in prophetic worship and speak that over people you're led to. Boom, and it starts to happen. So, verse 11. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones, he tells us what these bones are, are the whole house of Israel. Wow. So, the whole house of Israel during his time frame was it was for the Israelites. It was for He didn't say part of the house. He said the whole house. Representatively, now, this would speak of people within the church. I mean, people that are the whole church, the ecclesia, everybody that should be making up the ecclesia, he wants to put his breath into into these people, into these churches, so that they can live and become a great, exceeding army. That's his objective. Now, look at what the the whole house of Israel was saying. Our bones are dried. Our hope is lost. Not only were they very dry, but they were lost. And if you look at it, it just means that. They feel like they're wandering away. They've lost something. They're perishing. The people are saying that. Don't you know the enemy, what he's trying to do? I mean, there's another message pastor was preaching on hope a while, uh, several weeks back, too. People are losing hope. The enemy wants them to lose hope. And if, and if we lose hope, man, we are miserable. There's some miserable people. We have this type of message. You know, we, we feel dry at times, right? Well, you might be plopped down, set down in the midst of a valley of dry bones, and God's telling you, speak, speak life, prophesy to the wind, raise up that army. And then they say, we're cut off from our parts. In verse 12, therefore prophesy and say unto them, thus saith Adonai Jehovah, behold, O my people, interesting here, but opening of the graves, Remember the message recently. And cause you to come up out of your graves, 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 and bring you into the land of Israel. And you will know that I am the Lord when I've opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves. He keeps saying graves over and over and over again. Man, he sounds like a kind of a dark God, doesn't he? Talking about graves and bones and and shall put my ruach in you, and you will live. And I've referenced Ezekiel 47. I encourage you to go back and read that, as well as John 7, rivers flowing out of us of living water. And I shall place you in your own land, and then you will know that I am Yahweh, 
have spoken it, performed it, saith the Lord. This is his plan. A great exceeding army he wants to continue to raise up. Who knows? Maybe he's he's got some people that he's raising up that we haven't even known yet. We it's just it's just really interesting in this whole thing. So the next thing that I want to kind of transition to that speaks in this, this theme of life is I immediately start thinking about the spirit of life. This is just the, who God is, the, the pneuma of life, Zoe. And there's a few passages that, that I want to reference here in regards to that. One is in Romans 8. And, and this is a well-known passage. We know it, but we're going to look at it. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the sarks, the flesh, but after the pneuma. Whew, man, that's us. We want to be those that are identified as after the pneuma, after his breath, knowing how he moves, knowing how his spirit guides and directs us. And he says, for the law of the spirit of Zoe... In Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of missing the mark and death. Two totally ends of the spectrum here. Life brings freedom, and the law brings what? Causes us to miss the mark. We never can touch it. Nowhere near it, actually, and death. Thanatos. For what the law could not do, and it is weak through the flesh, God sends his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned it that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the pneuma. And for they that, and for they that are after the flesh do phreneo, uh, the things of the flesh, but they that are after the pneuma, the things of the pneuma. For to be carnally minded, or sarx um, phronema, is death, but to be pneuma, Phronema is life, zoe, and peace. Because the sark's mind is, is totally hostile, is totally opposed against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So they that are in the flesh cannot please God. For you are not in the flesh, but you are in the pneuma. <laughs> I love that phrase. Be in the pneuma, in the breath. We all know when we are moving and in his breath and his breath is moving in us, everything makes so much sense. There's so much clarity. There's so much focus. When we're not in the spirit, in his breath, nothing makes sense. Everything's not focused. There's no clarity. You, you, you get what I'm saying here? So he's showing us if you're if you're in the if you're in the flesh or after the spirit, there's a, there's they're on both ends of the spectrum. But we need to be those that are in his breath. So that's the spirit of life. Now, the other reference is in Revelation 11, you know, with, with the two witnesses. Now, I'm not going to read this whole passage here. But in verse, in verse 10, the two witnesses are killed. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them. How in the world... Why are people rejoicing over people getting killed? It makes no sense at all. That 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 is that is a twisted demonic. Nobody loves to see people die, except the enemy. And they make merry and they send gifts to one another. Because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. But then after three and a half days, the spirit of Zoe from God enters into them. Look what happens. They stand upon their feet. Same, same thing that happened with the great army, right? When the Ruach enters. You, it didn't say you laying down anymore. He's like, you get up off the floor and you stand. It's time to work. <laughs> His stemming is work, right? <laughs> All those times of commune and hours and hours we used to spend is great, but we are... We are we still do that. Don't get me wrong. It's more of a posture of the heart than anything else. But he, we're standing, and, and we're, we're moving with him, and we're being directed by him. And great fear fell upon them which saw them, and they heard a great voice from heaven saying, Come up hither. And they ascended up into heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. 
and the same hour there was a great earthquake. There's the impact in the earth, and the tenth part of the city fell, and in the earthquake 7,000 were slain. And the remnant were frightened and gave glory to God. The remnant is still here, by the way. <laughs> People just kind of talk that away. Oh, that's just the remnant from the great tribulation. That's not us. We've been raptured out. You don't know that. <laughs> God talks about remnants all over the place in the Old Testament. So what are you saying there? How does remnant there translate remnant over here? It could be that, but it could be that we're still here. Even if we're still here during those time frames, look at what happens. You die, but the spirit of life comes in and raises you up. You go to heaven. The enemies get to see it. Thank God. That's awesome. <laughs> they don't control what, what happens. The enemy Satan, all of his minions, all the demonic forces that he that came with him, all the demonic beasts that come up out of these these places. They don't have control. They don't dictate what happens. God dictates from his thronos, the highest throne above our our, our government. It's above every throne. He dictates what happens. He dictates what he allows. It's up to us to discern is God allowing this? Or is the enemy doing this? And if the enemy is, we can bind and we can lose. But if God's in it, you can bind and loose all day long. And it ain't had, nothing's going to change. Nothing. <laughs> I know that's hard. I don't mean to be harsh. I'm just saying when God speaks and when he says something's going to happen, it's going to happen. Nothing's going to stop it. No voice, no prophet of God. I heard somebody recently on YouTube. Oh, man, I... I I'm going to kind of step away just for a minute out of this. I love Samuel. I love young Samuel. He is one of the most humble prophets that ever walked the planet. And I love the fact that he, he teaches. He, it's a wonder he even made it. <laughs> Considering what he was brought up in, his, his childhood, his, his whole environment was so evil. But God had his hand upon him, and he directed him, even as a young boy. But one of the things that Samuel came to realize, as he recognized his calling to be a prophet, he did not go out and announce it to the world. He didn't do that. He humbly would speak the word. And sometimes, you remember the first time he, he's learning to hear the voice of the Lord? He didn't recognize it. And Eli had to help him. Oh, my God. But thank, uh, you know, you know, Eli, he was, and his sons. But Eli had enough sense the third time. Oh, man, the Lord's sp speaking to him. And then Eli starts to get really concerned. Oh, man, what is he going to say to uh, Samuel? Samuel has this incredible encounters in the night. God tells him what Eli's doing, what his sons are doing, and and he didn't, want to, he didn't want to share the vision of what the Lord was giving him, the word of the Lord. He didn't want to share it. Cause, and that, spe that speaks volumes. But one, the other thing that he did was when he would speak what God shared with him, it happened. None of his words fell to the ground, right? And because of that, the entire people that he was sent to recognized and knew he was established to be a prophet. He didn't need to do what some of these guys on YouTube. I just saw a video this weekend. I command you COVID-19 as a prophet of God. Die. Arrogance, rudeness, crudeness. Would Samuel ever done something like that? I mean, just the whole spirit behind it's like, and this is a well-known. I'm talking about well-known person in the ministry. And my spirit just came unglued i'm thinking who do you think you are none of those prophets would ever do this stuff they didn't do that know your calling but don't arrogantly curse something that god's allowing that's where <laughs> and i guess i'm tying this into this prophet thing where we prophesy only <laughs> what he commands us we all know this about this about any of us that try to speak well i'm not coming up here i didn't conjure this thing up i didn't he doesn't conjure up things he wants to speak about every sunday sunday morning and wednesday and he's listening to the lord he's praying he's interceding he's communing with the lord we all do that but there will be times 
where we might be tempted to just go willy-nilly and curse something that God's allowing. So when we don't know, we respond like Ezekiel and say, Lord, I don't know if these bones can live or not. You know. <laughs> and leave it at that. That's the best place to be in. So when I talked about the four winds, my spirit sees this in here, but I don't have enough insight, and I'm not going there. The main thing is, is the Ruach of the Lord is involved in that. I'm not going to say, oh, there's... Oh, seven plus four. Oh, there's 11 spirits now. No, that's not what I'm saying. Some people would probably do that. But that's not what I'm saying. But prophesy only what he gives us. So Samuel, I, I, I don't think we're doing this. It, this just happened, and it's on my heart. And we need, we need to remain humble in, 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 the, in the life of Samuel. I mean, they're all, they're all great. That young, that young boy, <laughs> you talk about suffered. I mean, and, and what he went through as a kid, it was, it was horrific. And to come out of that with such a humble heart and to be so influential with kings and anointing and, and being a, speaking into kingly influences in, in, his, in his walk, We speak what God speaks and let him do the rest. Let him bring the noise. Let him bring the shaking. Let him bring things together. And in the last few minutes we have, let's look at page three. We'll just, we'll just touch on a few of these. So this next section is going to really kind of focus in on, on how the other... Um, the other people and the other message kind of came in after in, in that dream. So I've titled this section, Teaching in the Presence of Enemies. Now, let me, let me say this. Do you know that we teach without using words? Teaching without words. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of oxymoronic, like, you know, but really when you think about it, and, all that Jesus began to do, and then he teached. So in the doing, he was stepping over into measures of teaching. And I love, I love those principles because if, you, if you're observant enough, you can watch, listen, and observe and learn a lot of things about what people, who they are, and the things that they, they have interest in. What I do, what I, my actions should teach every person a lesson. Same for you. So teaching. And this involves the scribes, Pharisees, and the doctors of the law. That was just kind of food for thought. A lot of times we think we've got to get up here and teach some 30, 45-minute. No, they don't. You can teach by just everyday walk. I can tell you, I can, I can tell if you're rude, crude, arrogant, if you love God, <laughs> if you hate God. So here Jesus is in Luke 5, and this is one of the passages that Monica had uh, referenced in her teaching. And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, and there come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, and the dunamis of the Lord was present to Ami to cure them. And behold, men brought in a bed a man who was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and lay him before him. And when they could not find any way by uh, that they might bring him to... Uh, bring him in because of the multitude they went up on the housetop and let him down through the toweling with his couch into the midst before Jesus and when he saw their faith he said unto him man thy sins are forgiven and the scribes and Pharisees begin to reason there's this inner deliberation that's going on in their thoughts or if they're close enough they could, it could also even Say they deliberated or discussed it among themselves. 
saying, Who is this which speaks blasphemies? So, do you see the contradictory of the messages? The power of the Lord is present to heal the accusers, them. It didn't say he came to heal that man with palsy. <laughs> it's there because he wanted to heal the Pharisees, the doctors of the law, and absolutely cure them. They didn't even recognize it. They're opposed to it. It's that other message. Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said unto them, What reason? Same word I mentioned earlier. What, what reason you in your hearts? Whether it's easy to say your sins be forgiven or to rise up and walk, but that you may know the Son of Man has power upon earth to forgive sins, I say unto thee, Arise, take up your couch, and go into thine house. Oh, that kind of rhymes, doesn't it? And immediately he rose up before them, took that up that he lay on him, and departed into his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God. And some were filled with fear, saying, We've seen strange things here today. It's where we get paradox from. So this is an example of the dream. And I'm going to touch on one more quickly, and then I'll conclude. Paul prayer and a spirit of divination in Acts 16 came to pass as he's as he went to Proshukamai or uh, Proshuke prayer a certain damsel possessed with a pneuma of divination met him met us which brought her masters much gain much profit by soothsaying the same followed or clo followed along closely Paul and us crying out saying these men are the servants of the most high God which show us the way of salvation. That, that demonic, divinized, uh, puthos spirit is saying, hey, I recognize you as a servant of God. I rec we reckon, where's stupidity in that? Where, uh, seems like they got teeth there to me. Just saying. And this did many days. Many days this happened. And Paul, at some point, the timing of the Lord was grieved, and he turned and he said to that spirit, I command you to come out of her. And it came, and he came out that same hour. And when his master saw the hope of their gains was gone, they won't be able to make any more money, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace. Now, hold on now. Poor Silas here. He didn't even say a word. <laughs> Paul, <laughs> but they they reel him in too, right alongside Paul, right? It's just the way it is. Guilt by association, I guess. <laughs> and they brought them into the madrid saying, These men being Jews do exceedingly trouble. They're disturbing us, our city. They teach customs not lawful for us to receive or observe, being Romans. And then the, to finish them off, they beat them. They laid many stripes on them, and then they cast them into prison. Two totally different types of messages going on here. Two different scenarios. Much more we could say, but I'm going to leave the rest with you. Um, so I, I, I'll just leave you with this. Prophesy to the bones. Prophesy to the wind. We have, every one of us has the euangelion message within us, the evangelistic message. What is it? It's whatever he is announcing at his throne at any given time. Most people just associate it to salvation. That's part of it. That begins everything. But do you think he's still got some good news to share other than that? Is that, all he, is that all God ever thinks about it at heaven? Is that, oh, salvation, salvation, salvation. Is that, all, is that the one thought he's got? That's a lot of what we heard growing up. You know, all 30 people, they've been saved 15,000 times. I'm exaggerating, but you get the point. <laughs> that's not the only good news that's in his heart and in his mind and what he's thinking about. What is he thinking about right now for people? Is he thinking, oh, man, I want to kill that person. <laughs> it's, it's ludicrous to think that no he says life 
They need my Ruach. And I need people like you to prophesy to my Ruach and enter into them and cause them to stand and become a great, exceeding army. So that's what I leave you with. So, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to share this message and um, help us all as we continue to make this house a house of prosciutto and not to, not to ever, ever make it a point where it becomes a den of thieves. I ask you to just help us all to, to prophesy as you command us. Nothing more, nothing less. In Jesus' name, amen.